0: Welcome to the Spectrum Lounge Podcast, where we discuss creatives of color disrupting the game in TV, film, and pop culture. I am your host, Rebecca Theodore Vachon, and on this episode I'm joined by Robert Young as we do a series a review of the series finale of Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Take a listen. Hey Robert!
1: Hey Rebecca. Kind of sad this is our last episode, but it's good to be here. (laughs)
0: Thank you. Thank you so much. Again, I just really want to thank you for, you know, joining me in all of these recaps and deep dives of Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Um, I just really appreciate your insight and your commentary and your knowledge of the comics and the MCU. So thank you. Thank you very much. (laughs) Yeah, no,
1: no problem. Anytime. Any other shows you need me for, just, you know, message me. (laughs)
0: <laughs> oh listen loki's coming up in july so i will definitely
1: <laughs> cool cool
0: yeah and um i don't know when is secret invasion coming out the one with sam fury i don't
1: think they've put a date for that yet
0: yeah because i think they're still casting right
1: i think so i think so yeah, yeah. I- i'm not even yeah. sure if they started filming that yet.
0: Yeah. oh okay yeah so all right so loki definitely and i, I feel like there's something else coming up
1: yeah right? we're f- yes i forget was after loki
0: they got so much on their plate yeah so yeah so uh today the uh final episode of season one not sure if it's a series finale or a season finale but we're here six episodes um all leading to this what were your initial thoughts of the of the finale
1: um i think i'm kind of like middling on the finale Mm -hmm. um okay i like Sam's complete character arc in the series I like Bucky's complete character arc in the series I don't like uh, maybe them being so short shrift with the Flag Smashers and Carly I feel like that section of this, the story um, needed more time to breathe and I feel like Carly needed to be fleshed out more so I'm disappointed wow. in that
0: Right, well, I know that um Malcolm Spellman and the producers well actually I think Nate, Nate Moore, who's one of the producers of the show, said that they had to shorten mm. uh the, the the season of Falcon because of uh because of the pandemic because of the coronavirus um i I agree with you i mean i I felt like they they could have there was a lot that they were tackling, and I felt yeah. like maybe a ten episode arc yeah. um would have given them like you said would have given it more time to breathe. I I agree with that. I feel like Mm -hmm. you
1: really felt that this episode. Like I really felt there was a lot of shortcuts going on this episode.
0: There was a lot going on.
1: (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. (laughs)
0: Um, So let's, let's, let's take it from the top. So at the end of episode five, we know that Carly and the flag smashers basically took the GRC. It was a GRC summit taking place in New York city. And the plans for the GRC were to, um, institute the borders, right? So it's basically relocating or displacing. Let me say, yeah. Mm -hmm.
1: No, I was going to say, yeah, they were going to do the vote to, to displace all the people back to their original countries.
0: Right. And uh, so basically Carly um, and her core group. And then also we find out at the end of episode five that the movement has grown. And so it's sort of like these Um, invisible faces, people who are, who are, uh, supporters of Carly's movement, um, that help her achieve that. They help her break into the building. They take the GRC hostage. Mm -hmm. And also at the end of the episode, uh, we know that, um, Sam was given a case by Bucky. Um, and when he opened it, it's pretty much, you know, an upgrade <laughs> to is
1: Um
0: and also you know also um you know episode 5 was the was the question was Sam going to take up finally going to take up the mantle or take up the shield of of Captain America. So both of those questions are answered within the first what 5 to 10 minutes of yeah. the episode. So so let's start first. Um hmm. what did what did what did you think of the suit?
1: I don't like that version of the suit. I didn't like it in the comics. Um mm-hmm. I mean, that's just like not my thing. And I thought I was at least I was hoping that the MCU would change it the way they've changed a lot of suits to make it look, you know, fit more into like the real world thing. But uh, they went Mm -hmm. full comic book version of that, which I'm not the biggest fan of. But yeah. okay, Sam. (laughs) Do, Do your thing.
0: I mean, I've been reading the comments. Uh, well, we've both been list- watching or just witnessing the comments of the finale. And de- there's definitely conversations about the suit. And <laughs> uh, my friend Carolyn Hunt said, she was like, I refuse to believe that the Wakandans designed that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, I was like, I agree with her. I was like, the case that it came and looked better than the suit.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, I so. think... Um- Oh, I forgot what I was going to say. Go ahead. Sorry. <laughs>
0: um, no, it was, it was just like, I just found it hilarious. I would, like people have very strong feelings about the suit. I, I think um, there's definitely people who are, who are happy. You know, they were happy to see that Sam made the decision to uh, take up the mantle of Captain America. Some like the suit, some love the suit and some absolutely hate it. Um, yeah. I, I, did not enjoy
1: that <laughs>
0: <too>. <laughs> at all. I was like, oh, it's so gaudy." But I mean, you know, like you said, I mean, let's let's be let let's let's keep it one hundred. Like we've seen the evolution of the Captain America suit on Steve Rogers through how many movies?
1: Right, In the MCU, right.
0: right? <laughs> so we've we've seen very different versions. There's definitely uh, some that I like more than others. Like my favorite one actually is the one from Winter Soldier.
1: Me too. Um, that's that's what I was going to say. You reminded me of my comment. I was like, I was hoping they yes. gave him a stealth suit version, like yes. Caps in the Winter Soldier.
0: Right. And then, of course, I mean, well, yeah, my two favorites are the one that he wears for the most of Winter Soldier. And then, of course, the one in Infinity War like that. Well, I mean, technically, yeah. it wasn't really a Captain America yes. outfit, but, you that know. That was
1: everything I- blacked out. <laughs> It, it was
0: everything blacked out. And I think I'm a little biased because, you know, that was the version that was, you know, we called him on Twitter. We called him bearded rogue cap, Right. <laughs> and so, you know, Chris Evans grew the beard. So I'm very I'm very biased. I'm like anything with that beard will actually make it look better. So I don't know. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> but uh, so, I mean, maybe hopefully this will be, you know, one Right, and maybe when you know, if either season two comes or when Sam makes his next appearance in an MCU movie, maybe we'll see a little bit of tweaking to the costume. It it, it just was loud. It was yeah, loud.
1: I'm pretty sure it will because they've done like Cap in the Avengers. I can't stand that costume. That is the mm. fallout like 80s Avengers wing on the the head. Mm -hmm. you know, super bright colors costume. And I can't, like, I can barely watch Avengers because of that cap and that costume.
0: It was terrible. Yeah. (laughs) And
1: and I think they kind of did that with Sam in this because, like, he's Uh taken over Captain America for the first time. So I think they went full out gaudy with it, but I hope they tone it down whenever he shows up again.
0: Right. I was like, oh, I was like, I like to think that Shuri did not make that. Yeah. I was like Sherry sure, was on vacation. She didn't know she did not sign off on that suit. I'm um, just
1: crediting yeah. the wakandans with the wings and, and the mm-hmm. drone to te- and the tech with the wings. That's it. <laughs> That's it.
0: <laughs> That's so yeah. funny. Well, so what did you think about him actually using Cap's Shield?
1: Um, I thought that was pretty cool and that also went a lot like it did in the comics. I mean he doesn't use it. nowhere near as good as Cap does. But, you know, he's got his things for it. And I I do like the way it magnetizes to the back of his wing, the pack of his wings and everything like that. Mm. But, I mean, he's pretty good at using it. I mean, it definitely comes in handy when he's fighting against super power, you know, super soldiers, since he's not strong enough to take those hits. But the shield is.
0: Right, right. I mean, um, because we see uh, Sam... Comes in to help and rescue the members of the GRC and basically stop Carly and the Flag Smashers. So this was our. So this is our first time seeing Sam, not only in the costume but also his combat scenes or his fight scenes as the new Captain America. Right. So I, I, I will admit it is. Um, it will be at least for me. I'm I'm trying to keep an open mind because, like you said, I like we have to keep in mind that Sam. Did not take the super serum, which I think is actually a good thing.
1: Yeah, me too. Um,
0: because when you circle back to what Zemo said about people who seek to be superhuman, it's it's a form of supremacy, right? And when with supremacy comes oppression. Mm-hmm. So I, I think Sam was definitely listening and ingesting what Zemo was saying and just everything that they had gone through. So I I like the fact that he hasn't taken the he he did not take the super serum. Um, also. It is going to be an adjustment in how he fights or approaches um, the bad guys or whatever, because, you know, we've been uh, I don't want to say trained, but I mean, we're used to seeing Steve. We're used to seeing Chris Mm -hmm. Evans fight and like his combat skills are very different. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> then Sam's not saying, I mean, there's some, there's, I think there's a website, uh, someone who wrote an article saying that he has, that Sam can't fight. Like he's a terrible fighter. And I'm like, I don't know. I mean, I mean, my thing is like, he doesn't have the super serum. So therefore, yeah, he's going to move differently. Like yeah. that, that's, mm-hmm.
1: I think the interesting thing with Sam and the shield is he's, I mean, his specialty is airborne and you know flying and stuff like that and the way he incorporates it into his flying and the way he incorporates it with his wings is really interesting and very different because steve couldn't do that you know so i like the way they show him incorporating it into his flying moves because that's Mm -hmm. a very sam specific thing
0: Uh, yeah i agree with that i I think with um um choreography because they're they're figuring this out right i think by the time we we get to see him in like subsequent appearances i'm pretty sure i'm hopefully that they will fine-tune like the fighting because i mean it's again going back to steve like the way steve fought in first avengers is drastically Mm -hmm. different from when we are come back to him in um winter soldier right like that that opening montage where he was doing the rescue of the battleship and yep. he was like, Steve was like, oh, all right. Y'all put me to sleep for 70 years, but, you know, I've got some downtime. And what was great about the choreography, and hopefully maybe they can get that same um, team to choreograph uh, Sam. It's like just within that, I don't know, 10 minutes, whatever, Steve was showing all these different fight styles. He had hardcore. Yep. He had Krav Maga. He had jiu-jitsu. You know what I mean? And because mm-hmm. this is a guy who's like his body is primed in he's just picking it up. It kind of reminds me of like the, the matrix, like Mm, when
1: when Neo was learning all the different styles.
0: Exactly. You know what I mean? He was like, I know Kung Fu, Mm -hmm. you know? So Steve was doing that. So, um, but yeah, it, it, it will be, I think we're just going to have to adjust like, all right, this, this is not Steve. This is not, you know, this is a different Captain America. So we're just going to have to, um, be used to different combative styles. I agree with you, but yeah, hopefully it will. I think it will get better. I think the way he uses the wings is um quite different mm-hmm. um, and it, and it does give him leverage because of the fact that he doesn't have the super serum. Um, It does give him leverage against super powered people or, you know, someone like Batroc, who's like a master fighter. Like you got to come in.
1: Correct. So, yeah. Um, and, and the way that one part portion of the episode where he saved like the falling truck, like, that's mm-hmm. the way, he's not super, he's not super powered, but he does have the tech, he also has the technology, you know, like on the Tony Stark side of things, or the Wakanda right. side of things, to help mm-hmm. him, you know, lift that truck up, so.
0: Oh, you know, I didn't think about that, that in a way he could kind of be like a. Iron Manish type of. Yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, he's almost like a Iron Man Captain America hybrid with the technology and the, you know, mm, the shield given to type him of thing. By the
0: Wakandans. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, right, exactly. Yeah. So, um we're also um in this episode uh John Walker is back at the end of episode 5 in the post credits we saw him in his garage <laughs> um you know doing his Etsy <laughs> version of the, of the Captain America shield. And so, you know, he's, he's on a mission because pretty much in this episode, everybody's got their agendas. Every, everything's converging. So we've got, you know, Carly and the flash smashers that are, you know, clashing with the GRC, um, Bucky and Sam are there to intervene. Um, you know, and then John Walker is there. Um, a is there as well because he wants to kill Sam in, in episode five. Mm-hmm. We know that that's his agenda, so he's he's partnering up with the Flag Smashers in order to take down falcon um and then, yeah, so with john walker his his whole thing is like, i'm gonna take down Carly like he's he is very, very upset because you know Carly killed his best friend kiss, killed his best black bud, um and so he's there, and you know, uh, I don't know like the the thing with John Walker, it was sort of like. I was under the impression that they were going to set him up to be, like, the, an antagonist of sorts, like, uh, or the villain or mm-hmm. whatever. And in this episode, it, I don't know, it was like, this episode was almost like episode four didn't happen. <laughs> I was like, you know, you killed somebody, right? In front of the whole entire world. Like, but I don't know. I mean, what, what did what did you think?
1: Well, I feel like they're setting him up to be an anti-hero. I mean, basically, mm-hmm. like, the Punisher Um, Mm -hmm. episode four, I mean, it does kind of feel like it didn't happen, but also it did because he still had his rank stripped. He still lost all his benefits. So all that stuff is still in place. I mean, he's not in prison, but, Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, I feel like in this episode, he's, he's like conflicted because he still wants to be Captain America. And you see that when he goes to like, try to save the truck but he's just right. like he's all over the place mentally right now so i mean mm-hmm. him being an anti-hero seems about right he he's not he's not bad he's just <laughs> i don't know <laughs> i mean i guess it has frank is frank castle bad um, i guess so yeah so he's bad he's just <laughs> bad in a different way he doesn't want to hurt people in general, right. but he can't right. control his emotions, really. That's his yeah. biggest issue.
0: Well, I think that's a thing with Marvel and Disney sometimes. It, it depends on how you look at it, but they do like to rehab their villains. Yeah, um, for sure. Because what's interesting is like, you know, like I think about Loki. I'll take Loki as a perfect example. Mm. Like, you know, watching, um, in, if we go to the in Infinity War, we see him die like he sacrifices himself to save Thor right like he goes up against uh Thanos tries to trick him and he ends up murdered by Thanos um but it's sort of like I had to go like going back and watching Avengers I was like yo he he has a high body count (laughs) (laughs)
1: like
0: Loki kills people you know what I mean like he was a murderous bastard
1: yeah um
0: and you know they've kind of rehabbed him and now he's got his own series coming up Mm-hmm. And, you know, like I was, you know, I was talking to, um, <clears throat> in a group chat yesterday and I was like, you know, you got to remember that this Loki series is not rehabbed Loki. It's not Loki who reconciled with his brother and helped to save the people of, 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 um, oh my gosh, what's the name of the planet that they lived on? Why am I Oh
1: Asgard,
0: Asgard, right? Yeah. Like, yeah, like he's not, he's no longer like a hero of Asgard. Like this Loki, when we, this series starts, as we saw in Endgame, that's the Loki we saw at the end of Avengers who gets right. the Tesseract and just bloop. So it'll be interesting to see like if that's what that is going to be about besides his various adventures. Are they, is this going to be like a redemption arc, like a second redemption arc for him? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, You know what I'm saying? To make him whatever. Um, But yeah, I mean, the thing with John Walker is like, I get it. Clearly you guys have plans for him because, you know, uh, Madam Hydra, Val Val showing up in episode five, clearly they have plans for him and they, you know, he is going to become US agent or whatever. But again, I think this goes back to what you were saying about um, the storylines being rushed. Um, in the fact that they didn't have enough time, I felt like they, they just had to get to the finish line in order to kind of set up these potential spinoffs or whatever. But I felt like John, I was like, you got off way too easy. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. It (laughs) definitely
1: felt like that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, and so the other person who, uh, who appears, and I definitely want to talk about this. Um, the other person who shows up to help Sam and Bucky is Sharon Carter Sharon Carter leads Madripoor. Uh, she uses the same sort of facial uh, face mask that that Black Widow had used in Winter Soldier. She disguised herself as someone else. She takes off the mask and she was like, hey, I'm here to help you guys. And um, I mean, the thing we're not going to do this. I, I just kind of want to hit more on the, the story arc. So the thing with Sharon Carter, we first saw her when they went to Madripoor, Um, clearly she's sort of like a fugitive on the run because of the fact that she helped Bucky at that because of the fact that she helped Steve and Sam in civil war, she was stripped of her title at, uh, shield and was just basically like, I guess like a black market art dealer, (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) imagine for, um, and doing quite well for herself financially, I think. But, um, yeah, so with Sharon Carter, she shows up and, um there's a couple of reveals uh one of the reveals is the fact that Sharon is the power broker mm-hmm. which had been a theory for a lot of people um some I, I've been reading the reactions of people like I'm I'm watching and just reading like how people feel about it um I don't know what did you think of of, of Sharon being revealed to be the power broker
1: yeah I think we talked about this last week like I thought Sharon was like a meh character, you know, previously in the MCU. Now this makes her kind of interesting to me. Um, mm-hmm. I find it. I'm kind of interested to see how it affects the whole Carter legacy because Peggy's yes. such a huge part of the legacy in the MCU, and now you got Sharon <laughs> Carter going, <laughs> going rogue. Right. So, right. So that makes it even more interesting. What about mm-hmm. you? What's your thoughts?
0: Um I, you bring up a good point about legacies, because I mean, the 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 storyline of Falcon and Winter Soldier, one of the main things is the legacy of Captain mm-hmm. America. And I, I, I like what you say there that Sharon presents this interesting counterpoint, right? Yeah. Of of another legacy because Peggy is one of like the GOATs of the MCU, right? Absolutely. Um And we know that Sharon is her niece. So it is, I mean, like jumping ahead to, you know, the ending, um, Sam had kept his promise because back from episode three, he had promised Sharon that he would get her a pardon, right? Because she (laughs) she was exiled. She couldn't come back. He was like, if you help us with this case, you know, I promise that I will get you a pardon and you will be able to come back and be with your family. Mm-hmm. So Sam is, Sam is a man of his word. And at the end of the episode, we do see, I think it's the post credits, we see Sharon in front of, in a hearing, a Senate hearing. They do pardon her. And that same Senator, the one who had picked John Walker, clearly this guy makes bad decisions. Um, it was interesting, <laughs> like when he called Sharon Agent Carter, that was just like, wow. Yeah, that was you know interesting. What I
1: mean?
0: Yeah. So it was just, and you know, I, I've been revisiting Agent uh, Carter. Uh, for anybody who hasn't seen Agent Carter, I highly recommend it. It's actually one of the first, uh, dis- or one of the first Marvel spinoff series, right? It is right. it is a du- a direct sequel of First Avenger, and I was really like like revisiting it. It was great to see how much footage they used from First Avenger. Like they showed Chris Evans. Like there's they just cut out whole scenes from First Avenger um, into agent Carter, which really, I felt really helped the narrative. Right. Yeah. So, cause it cut down on the exposition, right. It was sort mm-hmm. of like, okay, we see why they were in love with each other or whatever, but I'll just say that, um, yeah, it was, it was, it was, it was a mind trip to see him call her agent Carter, which she is. Um, but yeah, but now, like you said, you're thinking about that legacy because Peggy is one of the co-founders of shield.
1: Mm-hmm. Um,
0: and, there is something to be said, and I I, I, I just want to touch on this real quick because we're we're talking about legacies and how le- leg- legacies can be um put on a pedestal. They can be whitewashed, right? Mm-hmm. And the thing is, I mean, let's be clear. I love Peggy Carter. I think she's she's a great character. But I think upon close examination, I think if you really examine a lot of the MCU characters, you're going to find some funny stuff, right? Yeah. Now. Now we know that Peggy Carter was a co-founder of Shield, right? And what we understand from Winter Soldier, when Steve and Natasha tracked down that base in New Jersey, and we saw that Zola, uh, uh, Doctor Zola, had downloaded his consciousness into that supercomputer, right? Mm-hmm. And th- the reveal was that Hydra had been implanted into Shield from the very beginning, right? Right. And and the reason why is because Shield had recruited former scientists from Hydra because mm-hmm. <laughs> because Hy- Hydra is like the science division of the Nazis, right? right? And so they recruited people like Zola, like some others, and th- they just grew like a cancer within S.H.I.E.L.D. Now, if Peggy is one of the founders of S.H.I.E.L.D., she got to take an L for that.
1: Yeah, she you does. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> she does.
0: that. That's a hard... Because tr- I also remember, Isn't didn't Zola show up in season two... Because he showed up at the end of season one. Of I think Agent you're Carter. right.
1: I think you're right. Right?
0: Yeah. When they when they um finally captured Johan uh fence, I forget about his last name. Was. He was the one who had the the um hypnosis, the power of hypnosis. Oh, yeah, was that's right. Would, with Dottie Underwood. So you see him in prison, and then Zola comes out of the shadows mm-hmm. and basically tells him. And and it was there's a lot of foreshadowing in there where Zola was like, "Don't be upset." He basically he tells him, Don't be mad about being locked up because there's always a loophole. Mm -hmm. Right. So that tells me that was the setup that they that Zola and and Johan and other Hydra agents basically sold themselves to Shield as in, oh, we have all this knowledge of Hydra. We can help you. Right. And that is an actual um that is an actual reflection of real life U.S. history. Mm-hmm. We we know after World War II that American uh, the American government actually recruited and welcomed welcomed former Nazi scientists. Yes, right, yes. and brought them into America. Um, how do you think we got into space? If you if you really want to Google, find out about the na- the NASA space program. Quite a few of the scientists that worked on this, the the space uh, race to space. We're former Nazi scientists, mm-hmm. and so and that's something that we got to reconcile with in real life. And then if we're talking about the MCU, then yeah, Peggy <laughs> Carter, <laughs> like, and and in an in a effed up way, sh- if Sharon isn't in, is indeed Hydra or you know working for Hydra or whatever, isn't that an irony then that yeah. in a way that 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 Peggy kind of sowed the seed Absolutely. by kind of. Right? You understand what I'm saying? I'm yeah. like, wow.
1: You know what's interesting on the macro level about it, though? Yes. Remember, remember the whole thing in WandaVision where everybody was like thinking Mephisto was behind everything, mm-hmm. but it turned out to be, not be so. But then in this right. ep- in this series, everybody was starting to think that she was the power broker, and she is. So, <laughs> so you know <laughs> what? That's going to keep... All like the crazy theories coming in episodes because sometimes you don't know whenever they're gonna be true or not, you know? <laughs>
0: right, right. I mean the thing with me, like I, I have to oh, the the uh the the villain from Agent Carter, his name was Johan Fenhoff.
1: That's right, that that's was, right.
0: Yeah, and so he so I'm I'm going to assume that they probably recruited Johan Fenhoff at some point too. Mm-hmm. That Shield probably mm-hmm. recruited him because you know, for you to have be able to have the the power of hypnosis to be able to tell a man to walk in front of a truck and get hit, mm-hmm. you remember that, right? Yeah, remember that I do. he's wicked. He is. Well, it's the SSR. Let me let me say it was the SSR before Shield. Mm-hmm. Um, Agent Carter, but it was just like I could see them. I could see Shield recruiting that. So even within, so like you said, like even within um legacies like a like Agent Carter, and even if we examine Shield there's some nice, some not nice stuff there. You know Absolutely. what I mean? And, and, and we want to, I understand like as viewers, like it's fun, it's entertainment. And sometimes we don't want to, we don't want to really look too deeply into things, but you have to, right? Cause the yeah. other thing just real quick that I, I noticed about agent Carter, I feel like you and I will have to talk about this when uh, the anniversary of Iron Man, uh rolls around. Mm-hmm. Um, movies rolls around is that I realized that the first season of agent Carter was really about Peggy being dispatched by Howard Stark to retrieve these horrible weapons of mass destruction that he had created.
1: Mm-hmm. You know what
0: I'm saying? And cause I remember the first episode when he was like, Hey Peggy, I need you to help me. Cause the storyline was that Howard had hidden all of these weapons in a vault in his house, in his mansion. And somebody basically cut a hole underneath the the wall, like the floor of the vault and stole all of it. So all of season one, almost every episode was basically like, it was like a MacGuffin type.
1: Yeah. Show, her, her right? like, finding a new one.
0: Yeah. And Robert, some of these things were horrible. Like, bruh, why would you even make the one that really got me? Th- Cause there was that one, it was sort of like a gas, right? The one they said like could blow up like five, six city blocks. That oh yeah. That was the first episode right mm-hmm. and then um uh there was another one uh oh unfortunately the the SSR the the uh, Peggy's boss when he uh when Fenhoff made him put on that vest right mm-hmm. and it, it was heart, one of Stark's creations but it was supposed to help soldiers stay warm during the winter time but it was defective and Fenhoff made Uh, Peggy's boss put it on, he blew up. Like he got, like you saw it, like it was like a, like a radiator around his, around his whole body. And he had to throw himself out the window. Yeah. You know, Howard Stark was, was
1: uh, was not a good guy at all. (laughs)
0: Listen. Okay. And the one that really got me, the MacGuffin that really got me. And again, every time, when they pick up one of these things, Howard Stark is always like, "It wasn't meant for that. I didn't mm-hmm. mean it." For-. And I'm like, "Okay, whatever." Um, <laughs> the one that really got me was the gas. Remember that one in the season finale when Dot um, Fenhoff had stolen it? It was called Item Seventeen. We didn't know what it was. We saw Dottie Underwood, who was uh, a- an agent, an evil agent. Uh, she goes. She she takes this baby carriage into a movie theater. Oh yeah. Right? Yeah. Leaves the baby carriage and it's the gas. So you're like, what the fuck? What what is this gas doing? So the gas, she turns it on, and all of a sudden, basically, the gas causes psychosis. Yeah. So everyone in that movie theater murdered each other. Like mm-hmm. the beginning of the episode when the cops come in and they open the doors and you just see piles of bodies. And there were a couple of shots, screenshots where you saw the dev- you saw like bite marks on people's faces and like they killed each other. Like yeah. And again, Howard was like, oh, well, I didn't mean for it to be a psychosis, Gaz. Like, I originally created it to help soldiers stay awake during the war. And so he's sort of like this very irresponsible child, where it's just like, you keep making this shit that kills people.
1: And he kept it. Like, he could have got rid it. of it, he could have destroyed right. it.
0: Isn't that an interesting question though, right? Like, okay, you said you didn't want anybody else, but you still kept it. And I agree with you. Like, why did you not destroy it? Why would Mm -hmm. you hold on to it? Right? Because that tells me that you had further use of it. Also, I just want to say real quick with Agent Carter before we start here. Remember, you and I had had a conversation. I had tweeted this last week. Um, At the beginning of Civil War, we saw that Howard Stark, this is the flashback to 1991, where we saw Howard Stark was uh, transporting five bags of the super serum. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's when the winter soldier dispatched by Hydra, um, you know, crashed the car. He stole the serum and then he killed Howard Stark and, um, his wife, Maria, Tony's parents. So my question was that super serum that was, that they had in 1991, was that used with Isaiah Bradley's blood? Because in episode five, last week's episode, Isaiah said, you know, and, and also in episode two, he said that he had been experimented on for 30 years. So I'm like, mm-hmm. all right, if he fought Bucky around the Korean War, that puts him in like 1950 something. If he was imprisoned, that he, that means he would have been released like in the 80s or something like that, right? Right. So I'm like, hmm. And I, I mean, I was wondering because I was like could it be that they use Isaiah's blood? But then I went to Agent Carter. And if you watch Agent Carter season one, one of the main storylines is one of the MacGuffins that Howard um, tells Peggy to get. He tells her it's one thing, but when she opens it up, it is actually a vial of Steve's blood.
1: I definitely remember that episode.
0: Mm -hmm. And then when she confronts him, when she confronts Howard, because she is livid. She was like, "How could you do this?" And then that's when Howard tells her. He was like, "Listen, we had 12 vials, right? 11 went to the American government. I kept one for myself, right? And Howard also says the 11 basically the the US government has run through their supply of mm. Steve's blood. And and that's why he wanted it back. Not not only for it to not fall into the wrong hands, but also he wanted to keep it for himself away from the American government. Cause he was like, y'all just basically wasted it. So I'm thinking to myself, all right, if the American government, and then uh, in, at the end of agent Carter season one, the vial is given to Peggy by Jarvis. They do retrieve it. There's a time where it's lost Jarvis at the end of, of the season finale of, of season one, Jarvis gives Peggy the vial. And she was like, is Howard, the one who told you to give it to me. And Jarvis says something really, really interesting. He was like, I'm very loyal to Howard and I appreciate everything that he's done for me because he had helped uh, Jarvis, uh, you know, smuggle in his wife because his wife was Jewish Mm -hmm. and helped them come to America. So he's like, I'm really uh, grateful to Howard, but... Basically, I don't trust him. Here's mm-hmm. the vial. He was like, you're the one who knows what to do with it. So I thought that was really, really fascinating that even Jarvis kind of saw how shady Howard was. Like, no, he does not deserve to have this vial of Captain America's blood. And at the ending, oh, that scene always makes me cry. At the ending, you see uh, Peggy is standing um, on the Brooklyn Bridge and she opens up the vial and she pours it yep. into the water. Yep. So, So it seems to me... The MCU basically said, there's no more, there's no more you know, Steve, Steve, Steve's blood is, is gone. Right. The government's used up all of theirs. Um, the one that Howard had, Peggy got rid of it, because I think they called it SR-53, because Howard was saying that, oh, you know, with, with Steve's blood, we could find the cure to cancer or the common cold or whatever. And Peggy was like, bullshit, you just want to make money. Mm-hmm. She was right. Um, so it seems to me, at least to the canon of Agent Carter, there was no more serum. Like, yeah. well, I should say there was no more blood to replicate the serum. So it stands to reason, going back to Civil War, that serum that Howard Stark was transporting, I can't help but think they had to have used Isaiah's blood.
1: Yeah, I, I agree with you. I I, mm-hmm. I agree with you. Um, it, it had mm-hmm. to be his blood. So right. that makes it even more messy. mm mm-hmm.
0: And, and Howard Stark, which means that Howard Stark was complicit in that, and then mm-hmm. and then the question becomes because then the circle the 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 circle of complicity gets bigger and bigger when you think about it because then you're like okay was Howard complicit was Peggy complicit mm-hmm. right because Peggy co-founded Shield uh you know what I mean like you're you're I'm just trying to look at these timelines and it's sort of like who knew what when right, right. Uh, we know that Nick Fury wasn't you know he's the head of Shield but when we watched Captain Marvel, at least in the 1990s, he was still kind of like an agent out in the field. He wasn't the Nick Fury, right? Right, right. But the question is, when he became the head of S.H.I.E.L.D.,
1: Did he know? Was
0: Did he know? <laughs> I'm like, and, and this is why the Isaiah Bradley character is so fascinating to me because what it does is, I don't even know if Kevin Feige and the people in Disney have realized it. I, I would assume they have. But the thing is, it's sort of like, a cheap sweater when you like pull on the thread mm-hmm. and then it just unravels. Yeah. And so I'm not saying Isaiah is cheap. What I'm saying is that the presence of Isaiah Bradley, and this is why I do think that is kind of fascinating. What it does is that it refocuses the lens on the MCU, yeah. right? Because it's like, well, what did they know? And then even extending to Steve, right? Like, all right, Steve went into the ice in what, 1943. And he woke up like in the two thousands or whatever. But the question was, how did Steve feel about race?
1: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know what
0: I mean? Like cuz he did serve in the military, but again, like you you told us last week, the military was segregated. Right. And 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 Steve was actively trying repeatedly to get into the military. That was segregated.
1: Yeah. It really, I mean, the only thing we have on Steve concerning that is the Howling Commandos. And, mm-hmm. you know, we, we have the the one Black member and then the one Japanese member yeah. of the Howling Commandos. So that's really mm-hmm. the only yeah peak, peak we get in the, how Steve may have thought about that.
0: Mm-hmm. And, and and then him ultimately giving the shield to Sam. Right, to
1: right. Say that, True.
0: That, that an older Steve, uh, and this is my theory. And, and Roll with me here and see if you agree with this. I think part of the reason why Steve gave Sam the shield not only because Sam was worthy there's there's no question about that but then the other question is if we follow what they tell us in Endgame that when Steve went back in time to place the Infinity Stones and then when we see the older Steve Rogers he tells Sam I went I decided to get a taste of the life so now that mm. means that he had to see the evolution Mm-hmm. of the civil rights movement and how black, cause he was an ice and Steve didn't see any of that. He didn't live to see Malcolm X or Martin Luther King Jr. Or, you know, the, the, the lunch table, the, the lunch counter uh, protests or people being hosed down by dogs. I think that Steve in that timeline now sees that.
1: Mm, that's a good catch. Yeah.
0: I'm just, I'm just, I'm just wondering if that perhaps is like in his head, like, Hmm. You know what I mean? like, mm-hmm. I've now I've I've actually seen it and so maybe he felt like maybe um I need somebody else to carry on this this legacy. Now, mind you, Bucky and you know said that he and Steve didn't think it through, which I appreciated that scene. But yeah, I'm wondering in, in in his own ham fisted way that maybe Cap or that Steve was trying to course correct maybe uh, maybe what was going on. And I'm gonna throw something else at you because I, I wanna hear your thoughts on both. Who's to say we know that Steve did the time jump, right? Mm-hmm. Who's to say he didn't see all of this happening already? Agent Walker, <laughs> John Walker, all of that. The flag masters, everything. And he was like, the only person who can do this job is Sam. Maybe I'm not, maybe me, Steve Rogers as a white man, I'm not that hero for that time. Maybe you, Sam, you need to take that on. What
1: What do you think? I mean, I would like to think that Steve would, mm-hmm. you know, um, process it that way. Uh, it, I mean, I, I really like that, the idea of that happening. Um, I, I mean, I, I feel like everything in the MCU is like so simplified that I can't believe that that's the case. <laughs> right? You know, they, they they usually try to make things as simple as possible. So mm-hmm. I, I I find it hard to believe that that is what happened, but I would definitely like to believe that's how it happened.
0: Right, right. Because I, I feel like... Like, just watching that storyline, I mean, we're going to review the what happens in episode six, but I mean, just with the flash matches and everything that happened, I really don't feel that Steve would have been equipped to handle that. At le- yeah, It's not to say that he wouldn't have had the more attitude, but again, one of the recurrent themes in Falcon and the Winter Soldiers is that different times require different heroes. And so, right. again, I just have to think back to Steve an older Steve giving that shield to Sam. And when we see what Sam does, right. If you agree with mm-hmm. the decision that Sam makes, I guess Sam, I guess Steve was like, yeah, he's, he's the right man for the job. He's the right like, one. Cause, Cause the world looks different. And you know, me blonde hair, blue eyed white man, like, what do I know? You know what I mean? Like maybe I, perhaps. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I mm-hmm. hope, I
1: hope that is how Steve thought. I, yeah, I hope that's how Steve thought that would be, that would be great way to remember him.
0: Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's just, Series. We'll, we'll see. We'll see. Um, but <laughs> let, let, so let's get to all the action adventures. So basically, it's a free for all. Everybody's trying to stop everybody. Uh, John Walker is going after the Flag Smashers. Sam and Bucky and Sharon are trying to stop. Everybody's trying to stop the Flag Smashers. And so it all comes to a head uh, where it seems that the plan. People originally thought that the flash smashers were trying to keep them hostage. The actual plan was that they were trying to drive them out of the building because they had covert people working under, you know, working with the flash smashers. The idea was to have the members of the GRC load up into these trucks, um, these NYPD trucks, and they were gonna kidnap them. That was the real plan. And so once Sam and Bucky and Sharon figure that out, they're like, oh, okay, now we have to stop them, we have to save these people or whatever. There was a lot going on. I think we could be here for two hours talking about it, but I just wanted to get your thoughts on what you thought about that and and how it was resolved.
1: Um, I didn't think that was the best plan in the world because like if you kidnap them now, what's next? Like mm-hmm. you basically have to hold on them onto them forever if you're just trying to prevent them from voting. I, don't, yeah. I, I guess I don't get what the long-term goal of mm-hmm. kidnapping them would have got them. I know the short-term goal was to stop the vote, right. but the long-term goal, yeah. That that whole, like we were saying in the beginning, that this whole episode just felt like everything was a shortcut. It, it felt like a lot was cut out. Mm-hmm. And, and they they just tried to make thing a short everything a shortcut just to get to the end, so it it just felt the fights were messy. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it just when, like when you say I, me- I, I,
0: when you say messy, you mean like the choreography, right?
1: Um, a little bit of the choreography, but like some of them didn't really make sense to me. Some of them did because they kind of like showed. Sam in his new light as Captain America. So you got a couple of scenes of Sam doing Cap things. So I got those fights, but then other ones just seem like like why are we even here? Could we have done something else? You know,
0: it was gr- it was gratuitous. Right?
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah the, yeah. the fight choreography stuff didn't yeah. bother me as much just because like this is cap- this is Sam's first time. You know he's getting used to being, you know, Captain America now. So I didn't expect it to look like Winter Soldier, Steve. You know, so that didn't bother me as much.
0: Right. I I remember um, I I had uh, interviewed uh, Gina Prince Bythewood um, a few months ago uh, because she directed Old Guard, which is Mm -hmm. I love that I love that movie. It's on Netflix, and I was asking her about you know directing her first action set movie. I mean, even though her first movie was was love and basketball, it was more sports area oriented, it was also athletic but you know, Old Guard was like a traditional like lots of fight scenes or whatever and so I was kind of asking her like what, like when you're choreo- choreographing or setting up these fight scenes and she said, for me, she was like, for her any fight scene, it should never be gratuitous, it shouldn't just be about punch, you know, punching and everything, but she was like, every fight has to tell a story it, it, the mm-hmm. the fight has to tell you about who uh, tell you about the people that are fighting, and that's the story right. in itself. you know what I mean, Like when you look at old guard, that first uh, fight scene between Charlize Theron and Kiki Lane's character, right? Mm-hmm. That story is that Kiki Lane feels that like she could kick Charlize Theron's ass <laughs> and she can't. you know, she's like, well i'm 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 military. I you know, you white woman, I could kick your ass and she was like, no, this isn't happening. Like I'm 5,000 years old. There's <laughs> nothing you could throw at me. So it was like sort of like this elder, like respect your elders type of, yeah. you know, thing. And so like that. And so going to Falcon and Winter Soldier, I agree with you. Like there were some action scenes, like it really wasn't saying anything. Mm-hmm. It, it, was take, it was taking up space. And uh, I, I like action scenes that are economical. Like it's you're, you're getting to the point and- uh You know, like martial arts movies are really good with that. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Um, But this one, it felt a little whatever. I mean, uh, let's talk about Carly because I agree with you that it felt to me like the writers weren't sure. Like they weren't even sure about Carly. Like, Because remember, there's a line she says in episode four where, you know, when she calls up Sarah and she was like, you know, terrorist, revolutionary, depends on who you're talking to. Right? Mm -hmm. And that's very true because... People will always seem like terrorists to you when they are looking to threaten or upend the status quo.
1: Right. Right?
0: Like, this is the way I like living my life. And then this person is like, no, I'm going to disrupt it. You know what I mean? And that's Mm -hmm. what protest is about and that's what revolutions are about or whatever. And so, of course, to that person, you know, like, people call BLM terrorists all the time. They were like, hey- I was having brunch with my girls and a bunch of these BLM activists came in and like you know lay down on the floor, you know, whatever. Mind you, these are peaceful protests, but they call them terrorists or oh, you know, I was driving and they they they, they you know they 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 took up tra- they um caused a traffic jam. I was late to work. Those mm-hmm. damn terrorists. You know what I mean? I'm just like, "Really? They're terrorists for that?" All right. Um but yeah, but also say that with Carly, I felt like they 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 lost the story with her, because what she was fighting for was right
1: mm-hmm. she
0: was she was dead on she was dead on now we could debate her methods
1: <laughs> yeah
0: but but what I am going to say about her methods is this: to me in episode four. When she killed Hoskins, to me, I felt like her her fate was sealed. I was like, "They're gonna kill her. They're not gonna let her live for that." Right. That's how I felt. That's how I felt. It was just like, mm-mm. there are certain things that you're allowed to do, right, within mm-hmm. the MC or whatever. And it was just sort of like, "Oh no, they're not gonna let this girl live to see another day." <laughs> and I and so ever since then, I just I just kind of so when she was killed in the end, and we'll get to that scene. I wasn't really surprised. I kind of knew that that was coming. You know what I mean? And yeah. I think there's def I think there is definitely a dis- discussion to be had on who at least in the MCU and maybe if we extend to di- certain genres, who gets to be radicalized and who can get mm-hmm. to be villainous and live to see another day and who doesn't.
1: Mm. Yeah, that that's was something a good, that yeah
0: that was just something that i was thinking about and i was like because carly is something that we've never seen in the mcu before a mixed race woman um in this universe who was just like fuck captain america
1: right. <laughs>
0: and, fuck that, <laughs> and fuck that shield you know what i mean and i was like oh they gonna make her pay for that you know what i mean and yeah. i just feel like yeah and i just kind of felt like at least with the kind of story that you were telling at least challenging the, the status quo at least to me that girl. But then again, I don't know. Is she really dead? I, well, Sam said she was, so I don't know, but that's what, that's what we're, that's what Sam tells us that she is dead because Sharon killed her. And I wanted to, so w- going back when they were chasing her, Sharon ca- ca- catches up to Carly and through a brief scene, we understand that one, not only is Sharon the power broker, she is the one who recruited Carly. She Mm -hmm. was like, you used to work for me until you betrayed me and blah, 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 and stuff. And then Carly was like, no, I didn't want to work for you because all you want is power. I don't want those things. I don't care about money or power. I care about the people, right? Mm -hmm. And so Sam walks in, Carly is just so like, and that was the other, they, they just kind of reduced her to like this irrational, petulant child who was just throwing a temper tantrum so she was like constantly coming at sam and sam was like i'm not gonna fight you he was very like pretty much a pacifist with her he was like i'm not gonna lay hands on this girl um and at one point carly does put a pull a gun on him and then sharon shoots her and kills her so here's the question for you do you think sharon killed carly to protect sam or was she did she kill carly to protect her secret?
1: She she killed Carly to protect herself. Oh, damn. She she totally killed Carly to protect her secret.
0: Yikes. I have no
1: doubt about that.
0: Oh, my.
1: (laughs) That puts (laughs) you you feel the same way?
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, at first I was just like, you ain't have to kill that girl like that. But I was just like... But the more I thought about it, I was like, yeah, because she knew that Carly... Because for Carly to leave that building... And to say, hey, Sharon is the power broker Mm -hmm. would have messed up everything for Sharon. So I think there was definitely some self-preservation there. Maybe she was protecting Sam, but I also think that she was also very, very much protecting herself. And again, I don't have a problem with female villains. You know, as long as you say it with your chest, I have no problem with it. So I'm actually, like you, I'm actually kind of uh, looking forward to seeing Sharon take this villainous turn. Also- one of the theories about Sharon Carter is that that is not Sharon that she's a scroll. What do you think? Oh
1: wow. <laughs> I mean with Secret Invasion down the road, that's definitely a possibility. <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: The only oh, reason why wow. I, the only reason why I felt that way was when she went th- the hearing was over and she turned around after he called her agent Carter, he was like, "We're going to bring you back. You can br- have your old your old job back so now she has all the same access as a shield agent or whatever. And um yeah she had like a little smirk on her face and I was like ooh that looked very scroll like
1: <laughs> that would be something <laughs> right there that's that would be like long game marvel stuff right there i would love yeah. to see it though
0: I think because the thing is with the with the appearance of the Skrulls, what's the other fascinating thing? Much like how Isaiah is changing the landscape of the MCU, I feel the appearance of the Skrulls also changes the MCU because you have these people that have shape shifting abilities. So sometimes, like think about Far From Home, that whole time when we thought that that was Nick Fury, it wasn't. It was a Skrull. Nick up in space (laughs) setting up swords. You know what I mean? So, so what's going to happen in phase four is like some of the characters, we're not going to know who's really who. And so I think it adds a a, a level of like paranoia, which I actually mm-hmm. like, you know what I mean? Because it's like, yeah, you know, because you you could even listen, I'm not saying it's true. <laughs> I'm just I'm just I'm just saying it's true. If you wanted to bring back Black Widow to the MCU, you could be like the girl that threw herself over the thing. Ain't even really Scarlett Johansson. That was a well. <laughs> you-, you know what I mean?
1: Yeah, it definitely a- leaves them some leeway for stuff like that.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so so Carly is killed, and Sam takes her body. Oh, that scene, I, just seeing her flying with her body like that. Um He flies down into the street, gives her to the the EMS that's waiting there. And then he has this speech, which he tells the senator, because now he's, you know, all the cameras are there, right? The whole world Mm -hmm. is watching. So now he's basically making his public debut as Captain America. And what I liked is you heard someone's voice on the side that was like, who said you could be Captain America? (laughs) (laughs) Or who, 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 you know? And I almost wish that Sam could have be like, I mandated my damn self. You know what Mm -hmm. I'm saying? Like. You know, cause that was, that's kind of a cool throwaway. Like, Oh, we need, you need permission from the American government to be like, you know what right. I'm saying? So, yeah. So, um, you know, uh, Sam gives them the business. He talks to the GRC members and he was like, basically he was like, this is you guys created Carly. Like, this is what happens when you displace people, when you, you know what I mean? Again, I could, I could definitely see like the parallels with like bosnians and and the palestinians like we've seen this mm-hmm. in history all the time people displaced and forced up with these imaginary boundaries
1: yes you know
0: here in america here in america i'm not even i'm gonna take it here when they right. what they did to the native americans where they were just like oh this isn't your land and just push them out you know into into reservations or whatever and so it's like it's a it's a global thing that happens everywhere. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. So Steve basically is just like, yeah. I mean, sorry. Uh, Sam is just like, yeah, you guys got to do better. Um, so here's my question. The debate right now, now that the finale has come out, is was it right for Sam to become Captain America? Did he, did he need to take up the mantle? And I wanted to know how you feel about that.
1: Um, I, I feel it's right for Sam. And I was mm-hmm. thinking about this a lot after the episode. I was like, mm-hmm. for us as black people, some of us like some days, some of us are just tired and weary of everything we have to deal with in the, in this country. Um, some days we're just angry and we just want to burn everything down, you know, and then some <laughs> and then some days you some some days, some people feel like they can still fix this broken country. And I was thinking about that. I was like, on some days, I feel all three of those things at some point throughout the day. And then on other days, you know, I might feel just one of those things, depending on what's going on in my life. And in my opinion, that's just, you know, being black in America. And I think Sam's just dealing with it the way he feels he can deal with it. What about you? Right.
0: Because I remember there's something that he says during his speech. Um, yeah, during the speech, Sam said something to the effect of, you know, I know that there are people right now looking at me in this costume who don't want me to be here. They don't want me to be Captain America. And I think that was sort of a call out to what Isaiah Bradley had told him in the previous episode where he was like, No, no, no black man will be Captain America. And if he is, no, like no self-respecting black man will, right? So I think Sam was, I think that line was not only. A call out or sort of a response to Isaiah Bradley and people who think like Isaiah Bradley within, you know, that show. But I think it was it was yeah. kind of meta in a way where I think he was also talking. Th- the writers were talking to the audience because I think they knew that there were going to be mixed feelings. Because th- the thing that I'll say this, when this show was done, we were just hitting the pandemic. Right. We were in our final year of being under a Trump presidency. So they already had a lot of stuff to talk about. Right. But I have to remember, like when I watch, when I watch Falcon and Winter Soldier, I'm thinking I'm watching it from an additional like 13 or 14, 15 months of not only being quarantined, but seeing more black people being murdered by the police and more racial injustice. So they clearly they, they could not they couldn't have forced they couldn't have foreseen Adam Toledo. They couldn't have foreseen Dante Wright or the young black teenage girl, Makia Wright. Like, my God, like just hours after the verdict on Derek Chauvin, who murdered George Floyd. And even then, as black people, we weren't even sure if they were gonna convict him. Because the track record of America has been so fucking shitty as far as racial right. justice, we were surprised that he was actually you know um convicted and then a couple of hours after the conviction that's when we find out a young t- teenage girl um had called the police she called 911 she was a foster child uh she was trying to protect herself from i guess some adults in the house who were you know attacking her and when the cops showed up they killed her they shot her in the chest like four times you know and so it's just like and it's like you said it's like sometimes i'm just tired and it's just like <laughs> so it's like when I'm watching the mm-hmm. show like I understand I understand what Falcon and Winter Soldier is it's, it's about reconciliation and reunification, right? I think that is what Malcolm Spellman was trying to get at. Like one world, one people, right? Like we can't fix this world without each other, right? Like the the boundaries yeah. the, the 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 borders can really be a metaphor for the boundaries that we put between ourselves, men and women, gay people and straight people, people of color and white people, disabled people and able-bodied people. You know what I mean? And so mm-hmm. Carly's, you know, vision was always like, we need to come together. Um, But at the same time, it's just like, it was something that Kerry Washington had tweeted. I'm sure she maybe tweeted. She probably quoted somebody else. She said, no unity, no, no unity without accountability. Right. Right. And she was talking about the fact this was like the day after the election back in November. Right. Trump was defeated by Biden. And then all of a sudden, these Trump supporters and like hateful racist people who had basically trolled and like just were the worst to marginalized people were like, oh, okay. well, now you guys have a new president. Let's let's just put this all behind us and let's and let's and let's be friends. And we were like, oh, hell no. Uh Uh-uh. Nope. (laughs) For the last four years. This is what y'all said. And these are the policies that you enacted. And now you guys, Mm -hmm. you cannot erase that. Like you cannot pretend like that did not happen. So I guess that's how I'm feeling about Falcon and the Winter Soldier is that clearly Sam has done the work. He's ready to do that. But to me, and I'm going to just say this clearly to me, the real villain of Falcon and the Winter Soldier is the American fucking government. They're the villains. Because if you, if you trace back almost every bad thing that has happened, It goes back to them, right? They're the ones that picked John Walker. They're the ones who are a member of the GRT. Mm -hmm. And they, you know, enacted these repatriation, whatever, like the American government is like, like I felt like with this show, I was like, y'all are not taking the American government to task to the way that I would like. Like y'all are villains, (laughs) straight (laughs) up villains. And, you know, so that's why I'm like, you know, like like I like Sam's speech, but I'm like, the American government ain't there yet. You know what I mean? So, um, but yeah, yeah. so ending post credit, you know, we, we know that Sharon got her pardon. She's really a villain. Now she has access to these secrets. She's going to sell them. And then, (laughs) you know, there's the ending with Isaiah Bradley. And we find out that Sam has actually added to the captain America exhibit where there is an exhibit of Isaiah Bradley. I liked it. Now it was an emotional scene. Now, This is me personally. I'm going to just say this real quick. I don't know (laughs) if this is what Isaiah Bradley really wanted. Like for me, it was just sort of like, because remember the the exhibit is just saying that he served his country. It's not sharing the gory details of what they did to him and the other black soldiers that were experimented on and, and died from those experiments. So even then it still feels like a sort of whitewashing while it is validating Isaiah Bradley. It's still only telling half the story. You know what I'm saying? Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I agree. I I mean, I feel like in the sense for Isaiah, it gives gives him a little bit of, you know, closure and that he gets some. He he gets his just due for what he did for the country. But what it doesn't do is say, you know, the nightmare he had to go through after all of that. So yeah. yeah, just like you said, like it's leaving out probably the most important part of the story. But I mean, I guess just in that moment, you know, where he got misty eyed, you know, stuff for a yeah. sec, it it was uh good to give him the recognition he mm-hmm. never got.
0: Right. I, I think the 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 way that I'm thinking about like the reparations, right? The one reper like the way that I would feel like the reparations yeah. is to give a spin-off series to the Bradley family, like I think number I one, Carl Lumley is. I want to give him all of his flowers, and I feel like the MCU should hold on to him,
1: mm-hmm.
0: hold on to, because he has he's an anchor now. Yeah, now for you sure. can't den- you you can't now that they've told this story at Falcon and Winter the Soldier you can't go back. And again, we know that his grandson Eli Bradley will become. Uh, one of the uh, become Patriot and will become one of the members of young Avengers. And we already see that a lot of the members of young Avengers have already been cast or going to be entering the MCU. So I feel like having a Bradley storyline, like a series, I think would deepen it the, the, the the time that they didn't tell that the the time that they didn't have in Falcon and winter soldier, I think a spinoff series of Bradley and you know, me, I, I need this flashback scene of when, you know, Isaiah beats the brakes off of Bucky, off a of Winter Soldier. I want to see Listen, that Listen,
1: <laughs> I'm so here for that. So here for that.
0: So I think, yeah, I say definitely hold on to Carl Lumbly. He is wonderful. And I hope maybe they can keep him as a mentor of sorts mm-hmm. to Sam. Now, as Sam takes this journey, if if this is what they've decided that that, that Sam is going to be Captain America, I would love if 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 uh, if Isaiah can sort of be like that mentor and kind of keep him on the track, right? Like listen. Me too. Me too. You know what I mean? Like you're you're Captain America, and this is these are the things they're gonna ask you to do. And I'm here to tell you this is the line you can't cross. And you Mm -hmm. can't do this, and you can't do this. You know what I'm saying? Like I think I would be. Keep keep him keep him in the Captain America franchise Yeah, yeah. Well, I know you have to go, but I just want to say again, thank you so much, Robert. I really really enjoyed this. Um, I know the timeline, the Twitter Me is about too. to be on fire this weekend. <laughs> and guess what? Muted, muted, yeah. muted, muted. We I said what I had to say. Yeah. You know, I'll probably look at some conversations here and there. But you know, overall, was the show perfect? No, it was not. But I do think that there was, there is value in the conversations that it has started. Um, yeah, and that's what I, I, I,
1: we've been talking about that too.
0: Yeah, yeah. And I would, I would highly, highly recommend to my white listeners as long as, as well as my uh, non-white listeners to please take this time to really read the history of Black soldiers um, in World War II. Um, the real life stories are horrific horrific like i had just uh yes. sent a uh article talking about how like how they denied loans to black soldiers just so mm-hmm. many things that they went through and i and i hope that we can honor that we can honor their service and just be better like as sam says, like we need to do better as as a people you know what i mean but a lot of work to
1: be yeah. done <laughs> yeah. all right so yeah do, and do uh, the work do-, do the work and and do the homework and learn about these things
0: Yes, absolutely. Stop hitting up your black friends. We don't have the time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Google is your friend. Google is. Your, if you have some questions, that's fine. But yeah, you gotta you gotta do that. So thank you, listeners. Uh, thank you for all your support during these recaps of Falcon and the Winter Soldiers. If you want to go back and do a rewatch, uh, Robert, can you tell everybody where they can find you on Twitter?
1: Uh, yeah, I'm on Twitter at Robert C Young, and I'm there a lot. So. You, you yes, he's me. one of
0: <laughs> yes, he's one of my favorite one of my favorite follows. And you can catch me on Twitter as well. And Instagram is film fatale underscore nyc. Thank you for listening. See you on the other side.